Today on Physically Spiritual, we're going to explore different types of healing. When we consider that our redemption is a process of healing, then that means that sin isn't actually the problem. Sin is a symptom of the problem. The problem is that we want to do the sins we're trying to stop, and sometimes we might even need them. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I have discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. This is the first part of our series where we're exploring this quote from Pope Benedict XVI. Healing is the entire content of our redemption when understood at a sufficiently deep level. So we're going to try to understand it at a sufficiently deep level. What kind of healing is this? Be the focus of today. But before I, I get into that, I want to point you to our show notes. I'm going to do my best to, to really give you the most thorough show notes possible. On every show, there'll be an outline of what topics and what time those topics have been brought up. I'm going to give you all the quotes that I use and the references to those quotes so you can look them up yourself. I'll point out the highlights of the show. And I'll also link, I have a personal website, becominggift.com, simply becominggift.com, all one word. And on that site, I'm actually writing articles that correspond to each one of these topics, going deeper into what I'm presenting, uh, presenting more research, and also pointing out a lot of additional resources. So if any of these topics pique your interest, you're confused by the podcast, or you want to learn more, uh, check out the show notes. And then on those notes, we're also going to link to the articles that I'm writing on becominggift.com. So let's get started. We need to always see ourselves as an integrated whole, a person who has body, mind, and soul. The first three podcasts from Becoming Gift are, were laying down this foundation, uh, establishing this Catholic worldview, um, uh, focusing our eyes on how to see the world the way that the church sees the world. So in light of this, um, our sin and our healing is always hylomorphic. We talked about that term in the first episode. It's simply a, a body and soul reality. It's our whole person, the physical side and the spiritual side. Our virtues and vices are the surface level effects of how our person is functioning. Right When, when it's functioning well, when it's healthy, when things are ordered, then we act virtuously. When we're, we're acting out of wounds, when there's something broken or disordered, then we have vices, good behaviors, and bad behaviors. Um, so we need to avoid either over-spiritualizing or reducing our actions to just uh, physical things. I don't have some problems that are spiritual and the result of temptations, and then these other problems that are physical and the result of my unruly body. Our, our, our sin shouldn't be over-spiritualized and it shouldn't be reduced to just maladaptive instincts. Right? I'm a whole person and my whole person is always acting whenever I do anything. This means even the seemingly most physical things I do, like exercise and eat and sleep, are also spiritual realities because I'm a spiritual person who's doing them. But then on the other hand, my most spiritual things I do, like prayer and meditate, uh, going to church, confession, these are also physical things. These are things I'm doing uh, as a body in the world. 
So let's revisit our quote. Healing is the entire content of our redemption when understood at a sufficiently deep level. So this healing is going to be physical and spiritual. It's going to be an ordering, a, a correcting, a healing of our whole person, body, mind, and soul. And it's because we experience a brokenness also throughout our whole person, physically, spiritually, and mentally. In order to understand what we mean by healing, we should talk about different kinds of healing uh, and, and really specifically different kinds of modern medicine um, because there's a few different kinds of medicine. Maybe you've gone to different doctors in your life and you notice they have these letters at the end of their name, different uh, kinds of uh, medical education, different certifications. And you've probably realized that not all doctors are the same. Some take very different approaches to the way that they uh, try to heal their patients. The first kind of medicine I want to talk about might be called allopathic medicine or kind of standard medicine. Uh, it's, it's kind of the standard of care in our culture. This grew out of an older kind of medicine that used to be called heroic medicine. Uh, maybe you've seen an old movie or read a book where they were like leeching blood out of someone. So heroic medicine took the approach of balancing the humors or, or, or um, fluids in the person's body, sometimes by extreme means, by painful means. Um, so allopathic medicine was really an improvement on this older kind of medicine. It's a kind of a disease-centric model of medicine. What I mean by that is if you have something wrong with you, someone taking this approach is going to try to give it a title. And then our whole system of medicine is built on using that title for things like billing insurance and determining um, what medic medication to take or what the, the plan will be um, to treat that disease. So there's an association of a, like a constellation of symptoms that we give a name to that's a disease. Uh, another principle of allopathic medicine is Occam's razor. Occam was a, uh, a medieval philosopher, and um, he simply said that entities should not be multiplied without necessity, or uh, more commonly expressed, plurality must never be posited without necessity. Um, a simple way to think of it is just the simple explanation is always best. So a lot of times allopathic medicine is looking for the singular cause behind the disease and then the singular treatment to address that. So the idea is to make a complex thing simple. And then a lot of times this approach of medicine either intervenes surgically or chemically, like with a pharmaceutical. Um, so a lot of times this is really helpful in life-saving measures, um, but there are other conditions that it isn't as helpful with. Um, so this isn't like bad medicine. I'm, I'm not here giving you like a straw man that, that the standard of care is bad. No, there, there's sometimes we really want our doctor to take this approach. If you go in with a gunshot wound, you want a doctor who's trained in surgery, and then you want a doctor whom is gonna give you the right medication to overcome any infection after the fact. Um, if, if there's a virus, um, you, you probably want a, uh, a, uh, a medicine that can help you recover from that, or you even want an, an, uh, something that's gonna prevent you from getting it in the first place. So this allopathic medicine, we can't underestimate the positive effect it's had in society. But on the other hand, it's not perfect. There are some conditions that it, it seems not to be the best suited for. A lot of chronic conditions um, like diabetes or different autoimmune diseases, uh, like multiple sclerosis or um, or irritable bowel syndrome or something like that. These conditions aren't necessarily um, solved by this approach. 
a lot of times since there's not a single cure because there can be a whole complex of causes, a whole um, collection of different things that that lead to the symptoms, uh, the standard of care sometimes just treats the symptoms of these diseases, the downstream effects. So in which case, at best what it can do is stop the progression of the disease. Um, if it can't do that, then maybe that'll make, make you not experience all the negative side effects of it. And in worst case, sometimes they're just sort of slowing down the inevitable, right? Like you have this, this condition and it can't be cured. Uh, not that there's not other things that can be tried, but the standard of care doesn't have an answer for it. Uh, so some of the limitations of this approach come from uh, the worldview that it grew out of. So this approach to medicine grew out of what can be generalized in a very broad way as the Enlightenment. And there are two particular characteristics of the Enlightenment that I think have come to influence this way of approaching medicine. One is a reductionistic and mechanical view of nature, right? So uh, we just think that, that nature is sort of this machine that's more complex than the average machine out there. And then by understanding different, the different pieces of it, we then come to a complete picture of what nature is. Um, but I think as we've come to discover more and more about the world, more and more about our bodies, the more we discover, the more we realize we don't know, right? There's just, there's just more and more to it. We've talked before about the need for wonder when we approach the physical world, when we approach our bodies. We need to stay open to all the, the possibilities and uh, the, the mystery that, that's in this. Uh, we never exhaust our body and our knowledge of our body. Uh, in this mindset too, we might think of our bodies like we would think of our car, right? Oh, there's a part broken. So I'm going to like put some kind of chemical in the fuel tank to, uh, to seal the leak, or I'm going to swap out the part. And like I said, these kind of solutions can be very helpful if you need a, an organ transplant or you need surgery or something like that. Um, but there are times when the body can actually heal itself, right? My body isn't a complex car or a machine or a robot. My body's an organic substance and organic things have the power of self-organization and self-healing. Another mindset from the enlightenment that, um, that has come, come into modern medicine is the idea that we have to impose the human will and human power on nature in order to get what we want out of it. Um, this could, could really be explored at length in the way that we approach our natural world and the way that we use our natural resources. Uh, but we think about this in our own life too. We, uh, we think of our body as a tool, right? I'm just my mind or I'm my soul and my body is a machine that's my tool. So I can swap it out for another machine or I can use it as a means to an end. But no, my body is me. I am my body. My body is an organic substance. Um, and I can't use it as a means to an end. I need to see it as an end in itself. So we need to avoid these two pitfalls, the reductionistic and mechanical view of nature, and the idea that we need to impose our will, impose energy on nature in order to order it. No, no nature actually orders itself. It heals itself when left to its own designs. There's a different approach to medicine, which I'll just generalize as homeopathic medicine. Um, doctors that, that kind of generally follow this approach use a lot of different titles. They might call themselves an, an osteo, osteopath or a DO. You see, see that after their name. 
They might call it functional medicine, naturopathic medicine, integrative medicine. And I'm kind of lumping all these together in one category, even though there is some distinction. Um, they, they probably wouldn't agree that they're all doing the same thing, but it's just a, a general approach um, that approaches things a bit differently. So what are these ways? When it's treating the whole person, mind, body, and soul, right? So it sees the, the soul as a part of the picture. It sees the mind as a part of this picture. It's an integrated approach. It sees the person as an interconnected system, right? It isn't that we have um, a circulatory system over here and a nervous system over there and another organ over here, and they're all separate. And you just identify which part's broken and you fix that and that resolves the problem. No, every part of the body is an interconnected system that's relating to each other, communicating with other systems and interacting with other systems. So this means that um, you might have one disease with a whole handful of causes, five or six or seven underlying issues manifesting as one disease, or you might have one cause, one thing that's broken in the system that's manifesting as four or five or six different diseases on the surface, right? But the disease, the symptoms are the result of an underlying dysfunction in the system, an underlying way that the system is broken. So since the body is an organic substance, we have to understand that it has the ability to actually heal itself and self-regulate. This isn't always the case. Sure, there can be some kind of irreversible damage, like a damage to a limb or maybe to an organ that requires being replaced or that a, pr a prosthetic be provided. Um, so things can be damaged beyond repair, but in a lot of cases, the body actually has the power to heal itself. In order to do this though, we have to treat the root causes so you have to both remove the insults, remove the problems uh, that are underlying the disease process, and then also then support the body in the healing process, give the body what it needs to heal itself slowly over time. So when Pope Benedict is sharing this quote with us, healing is the entire content of our redemption when understood at a sufficiently deep level. I just want to ask the question, what kind of healing does he mean? And I would propose that it's not an either or proposal. It's actually a both and proposal. Remember, I, I talked about in the, the previous session about these two different ways that grace interacts in our life, that God transforms us to become what he calls us to be. There's the elevating grace that takes us beyond our nature, that intervenes in a supernatural way. Then there's also the gratia sanans, the healing grace that comes alongside our nature, inspires us, and gives us the strength to grow. So God is actually sort of using both of these sorts of medicine in our life. And maybe you've experienced that too, that there are some things in your life that when you went through a conversion experience or maybe received baptism yourself or, um, or maybe went to some kind of a really intense retreat, that then when you got home, the problem was just gone, something you had struggled with your whole life. Uh, was just better, right? God intervened in a way to change you really rapidly. But then there are other things that you've probably struggled with that are still there, or it took years and years and years to overcome, right? And like I said before, this isn't God abandoning you. This is God coming alongside your will to transform you, to heal you, um, that you can grow in that character and become the person over time through a natural healing process that God is calling you to be. So I think that God actually uses both of these healing processes in our life. But on the other hand, when we are stuck, right, when we're approaching something that we can't get over, 
I would propose to you that this homeopathic kind of approach, or um, I like the term functional approach, really makes sense. The title of the episode today is that sin is a symptom, right? Sin is a symptom, meaning that our sins, our behaviors on the surface are the result of this, the functioning or dysfunctioning of the system of our whole person, our body, mind, and soul. So there's different things that can come into that and damage it. Um, you can have sin that's come to us from, from our ancestors, uh, maybe sins that were done to us, ways that we've been wounded or victimized by others. We also have the result of our own behavior, right? We've gotten ourselves in bad habits and we've harmed ourselves with our own unhelpful behaviors. And as a result of all of this, uh, we're not at a neutral place when we have our conversion. We come into our conversion with wounds. We come into our conversion with difficulties, with struggles. Um, so God, like I said, is, is probably going to heal some of these things, but other of them we're going to be left with, not abandoned with them. God's going to come alongside our will and guide us through this healing process over time. So I think this functional approach or this homeopathic approach can be really helpful when we're thinking about our struggles, the ways we feel stuck, our vices. Here's a quote from Dr. Bob Schutz. Um, he's the founder of the, the John Paul II Healing Institute, and he wrote a wonderful book called Be Healed. This is from page 78 of Be Healed. In order to be instruments of healing for others, as well as find our own healing, we need to see the whole picture of our humanity in light of God's divinity. We need to see the whole picture of our humanity in light of God's divinity. Our whole person, body, mind, and soul, and also our history and our future, God's design, the particulars of our own life, mixed with our destiny, God's calling for our life, always in light of God's divinity. Right? We, we don't see ourselves isolated from God. Everything is in light of God's presence in our life, God working in our life, God's providence guiding us towards his ultimate perfection and his love. Uh, so I want to share a story from my life of how I was introduced to this idea of, um, of overcoming my difficulties as a healing process. Um, when I was working in campus ministry early in my career, uh, we had an exorcist come to the university to give a talk. Um, and there was a lot of hype around the campus of, uh, come hear the story of an exorcist. Um, but then when he started talking, he just started preaching the gospel, the power of Christ and the centrality of Christ in our lives. Um, but I had this interesting interaction with him, which left me wondering um, maybe if he had come there for me. I, I was part of the reason God had brought him to our campus. Uh, we had this conversation in the car. I picked him up with one of my coworkers from the airport. And in the middle of the conversation, he said, just in passing, he said, in your ministry, you need to recognize the demons and you need to silence them and bind them. And he said, before you cast them out, there needs to be healing because as Christ said, they'll just come back and sometimes even more powerfully than before if the, the hole isn't healed in the person where they were cast out of. And then he just went on and like talked about the weather. And I was like, what? Like who talks like that? Who, like who brings up demons in casual conversation? Um, he did. And that just left me pondering, what did he mean by that? And how on earth could I ever do that? 
So I got up the courage later in the afternoon to knock on the door of the apartment where he was staying. And I just asked him, uh, what did you mean by that when you said those things in the car? And he turned to me and looked at me right in the eye. And he said, what are your demons? And I was taken aback. Um, he turned the question on me. Um, and, and so I started to, to name some of my sins, like some of the things that I struggled with habitually. And he looked at me and just said, no. He said, uh, he said I, I read your soul in the car. And he started telling me this stuff about my childhood. Um, that, you know, maybe with enough education and some lucky guesses he could have gotten. Um, but th this were like intimate details of, of my wounds from my life. He said, no, no, these are where the demons are. And then he, he gave me this kernel of wisdom. He said, once you're healed of something, then you can heal others of it too. So, it, so my ability to help others, to liberate somebody else of their own struggles, is going to primarily flow out of the healing that I have already experienced. So my integration is going to become infectious for others, is basically what he was saying. And this is what happens in the Gospels. Remember the, the woman with hemorrhaging, which would have made her richly impure. Uh, while Jesus was passing through the crowd, she just reached out and touched the tassel of his cloak. And by touching this tassel, this power went out from Christ and it healed her body. Um, so she experienced this, this ordering, this healing, this correction from coming in contact with Christ. And similarly, when we go out into the world, uh, if we've experienced Christ's redemption, if we've experienced this healing, that healing energy can flow out from us too. It flows through uh, from God through us to others. But what it requires, it requires us to courageously face the root causes of our sin. Right? It's not just enough to deal with what's on the surface, to just force ourselves to stop, right? to, to, um, to create a boundary or, or get enough consequences piled up that we can't do it anymore. No, we actually have to get down to the wounds, the trauma uh, that, that lie underneath these things. We have to ask the question, why can't I live without this? What about my life makes this behavior necessary? Right? What in the system that I am, the person that I am, is, is broken, has a dysfunction that results in, in the symptom, that's the sin, this behavior that I'm getting out of the surface. And I think sometimes God's going to intervene, like I said, in this sort of allopathic way. He's going to intervene in his power, in his glory, in his might, and he's just going to transform us. Right? He's going to lift it. Um, but there are other ways that, that God is going to come alongside our will in a natural way, in this sort of functional way, in this homeopathic way, and strengthen us in this healing process where, where we encounter his love in, in our most wounded places, in our places that are, are most difficult to deal with, that we don't want to face, uh, that hurts so bad. And, and by passing through that mourning, uh, going through that healing process that a lot of times hurts, right? kind of like cauterizing a wound, you, you have to burn it to stop the bleeding. Um, so, so a lot of times there's this, this painful process of facing it and healing. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about that healing process in later episodes. Um, so I don't want to leave you uh, just sort of with a vague notion, um, but we're, we're going we're gonna to really address this at depth. Um, and, but in the process of that healing, we don't just stop doing the bad that we don't want to do. 
we become the sort of person that doesn't need to sin anymore, the sort of person through which virtue flows naturally. It becomes a joy. We become ordered to God's design. So with that, I want to uh, remind you about our show notes. We have in there a summary of the episode, the timestamps of the different topics, all the quotes that I've given, and the links to my articles at becominggift.com. Uh, if you've enjoyed this content, it's all made possible by the Awakened Nation. Um, so in the notes, you could also go to awakencatholic.org uh, or .com and sign up to be a member of the Awakened Nation to make all this possible. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. God bless. Thanks for watching this episode of Physically Spiritual. If you're watching the show on YouTube, make sure to press the like button, subscribe to the Awakened Catholic YouTube channel, and turn on the bell notifications so that you can find out when new episodes are released. Also, it's super helpful if you could leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or your podcast player. At Awakened Catholic, we're dedicated to bringing people to truth through beauty. This show and all the shows here on Awakened Catholic are only possible because of people like you. You can become a part of what makes this all possible by making a tax-deductible donation for as little as the price of a cup of coffee a week. To join the Awakened Nation, visit awakencatholic.org forward slash join.